everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name's Mike. And it's good to have you here, Mike. Hey, thank you. I appreciate that. It's yeah. good to have you here and everywhere that I can have you. Thank you. Nice thing. Yeah. And it's good to have all of you back. Thank you for coming back for another episode. Yep, absolutely. We had, like we mentioned, I think we mentioned, we have over 10,000 downloads cumulatively. Cumulatively. That's a mouthful. It sure is. And uh, yeah, thanks for everybody out there. If you're listening right now, you're one of those 10,000 plus. I think we're up to like 11,000 or something now. So yeah, it's awesome. Not even, not even keeping track, but uh, yeah, thanks for listening to us. And um, if you want to follow us on like Instagram and Twitter, we're Crime and Coffee 2, Crime and Coffee number 2. Should be coming out with TikTok very soon. I'll let you know. It'll be in the show notes once that's live. So mm-hmm. I when I did, I canceled like my account or our daughter's account so that I could like have our own account and then like start fresh. And it takes like 30 days to actually delete an account. Interesting. So, yeah. I'm kind of waiting on that timeline. I, again, know nothing about TikTok, but I did hear on the news that they're expanding the videos to be up to 10 minutes. Yeah. So what they are now, I don't have a clue. I think three. Three minutes. Yeah. Okay. So it's a big expansion. It is. Yeah. Pretty big. Pretty big. So we'll see. I don't even know how we're going to do it, but we'll see. And um, it just, <laughs> just it could be really cool. It could be terrible. I don't know. So hang out with us and we'll see. Um, so yeah, thanks for all the support. And we have a few people that uh, reached out to us. Uh, Caitlin found us on Audible. She was actually put a comment on YouTube. So oh, that's nice. Um, Audible's through Amazon, which is kind of cool. I don't didn't even know you could do that. Um, listen, yeah, they must have suggested us. I don't hmm. know how that worked. We didn't pay them. So uh, Talia, who actually uh, reached out to us she goes to penn state so she was listening to the betsy ardsma case um definitely listen to that if you're interested uh, that's an interesting oh that's awesome yeah so she said hey great job and gave us some insight there and since to that case and some other suggestions and then sheila um who i mentioned last week um she was the uh, oh no actually sheila's our been our longtime uh, listener since december so she was nice note thanks sheila and Colleen, who I mentioned last week for uh, her Chihuahua JJ that she had to put down, um, she suggested that we put together a Patreon to uh, see if we can you know, get some money and you know start some money flowing because it costs us yeah you know, twenty twenty five bucks. We got a new camera, so you know that's uh, we we didn't spend a whole lot about one hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, which, El Cheapo here well, certainly wouldn't open his pocketbook too wide. One hundred fifty is not like cheap, but it's cheap when it comes. No, to No, it is, things, I, so. and I appreciate your frugality. <laughs> so I joke about here. it, right? But I, I appreciate it. We're going to start here. I mean, the instructions were like very, very broken English. So we'll see how it goes. I don't even know if it's going to work here. So <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Um, but no, thanks everybody for, for kind of reaching out. Yeah, we, we really do appreciate it for more sure. than you even know. Yeah. And now that I have this new video, I see how fat I look like. Look at this stomach here. This is just like just sitting here. And I, I lost like 20 pounds in the last six months. And I'm like, oh, this thing's still sitting there. <laughs> oh, my God. Like, I feel pretty good about myself. And then I see the video. And hey, you know what? I am who I am. It's a reality check, you know. And you know what? We can always improve ourselves. Absolutely. But I think that you're handsome just the way you are. That's very kind. As long as you're healthy and happy, that's all that matters to me. I, I'm happy. I don't say, I wouldn't say healthy. You know, we can probably you know, get a little bit less. Well, of the this. good news is there's stuff you can do about that. That's true. Eat less, mostly. Eat less, move more. Yeah. I mean, I'm working out pretty decently, but I could always do more. You are. You're doing a great job and you're yeah. moving in the right direction. That's what matters. Thanks. Just moving at all, whatever direction. <laughs> exactly. Right? Uh, how's your week going? It's going pretty good. I did want to mention, because we failed to mention it last week, about what's happening over in Ukraine, and I wanted to make sure that we weren't glossing over it and seeming ungrateful that we're sitting here. Or not even knowing that it's happening. Yeah, exactly. Because trust me, our hearts are absolutely broken by what's happening over there, and I can't even imagine you know, the devastation and what these families are going through and leaving their homes and not knowing what to expect, breaking up families. It's horrifying. It's it's more than I can wrap my head around. And I don't for one second take for granted that we live in this privileged life. Yeah, it's it's, you know, we can say have 
complaints about America, but things are pretty decent over here you know, yeah, compared to a so. lot of places, not just Ukraine, but you know, Middle East. And you know, there's tons of poor people all over Asia and yeah, yeah. everywhere. There's poor people everywhere that are even in worse situations than us. So, so yeah, no, definitely. And actually, it kind of uh, it rings true to my heart because my family, half my family is from Lithuania originally. My mom was actually born in Europe and all my you know, grand granddad, grandmother and stuff. You still have an uncle over there. Yeah, still have an cousins. uncle. They had to leave him there because they were fleeing the Russians, just like Ukraine, where people fleeing the Russians. I yeah. think over 500,000 people are leaving Ukraine to get away from the Russian invasion. My family had to leave Lithuania and migrate over to Germany, where my mom was born. Like While my, my grandma was pregnant, she was fleeing the Russians in Lithuania like and crazy. She had to leave her baby. Yeah, she had to leave one of her kids, and she you know she left the oldest one. And yeah, that's crazy and, stuff. And people are having yeah. to do this all over Ukraine. So I, I definitely, you know, feel for you for sure. It's, I used to look when you told me that story, I looked at your grandma in a different way because I can't imagine what she had to go through to make that decision. Yeah. And it's it's crazy. And this is going on every day in Ukraine right now. And that's I can't believe it's 2022. And this is like, so stupid. Yeah. Like war is it's the awful. Worst. Yeah, never, never good. So um, I also noticed that uh, I noticed on Reddit yesterday, I found this thing that said, um, the Ukraine flag, it's blue on top, and then yellow on the bottom. Mm-hmm. And uh, it comes from their wheat fields. So they're they're a big wheat producer. So it's a, if you took a picture of a wheat field, you'd have the blue sky on top and mm-hmm. then the yellow on the bottom. Oh, that's like neat. Wheat. So that's what it's inspired by? Yeah, exactly. And I didn't even know they were big producers of wheat. I didn't know either. Yeah, it's so. just one of those things, you know, until you start hearing stuff, you're like, oh, I guess I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, our hearts are with the people over there and just praying that everything can go okay and they can find some peace there. Um, but other than that, not um, much has been going on over here. I did write two things. Um, I got a haircut. So <gasps> you did, yeah, yeah. And I go to Great Clips, which is not the highest end of places. We did talk about how cheap I was, and yes. uh, I, I ended up buying a Great Clips like credit card, not a credit card, a gift card, uh-huh. where you can get eleven dollar haircuts for as long as like you have the gift card oh, on there. Gosh. So um, I'm not very happy with it. I was looking this morning, and I was like, yeah, they probably. It's what happens when you go to Great Clips, and they come to your cutting cutting your hair, smelling like a cigarette. Yeah, their fingers always smell like cigarettes. It's yeah. kind of nice. It's like, oh, okay, she's like really into smoking. And, and Mike, you know, what is what is a box at my uh, haircuts? Because, of course, I go to a decent salon because I don't want my hair to be ruined. Ladies, if you spend over, what is it, $250 per yeah, haircut? <clears throat> well, I, I go probably every three months or so. How much is it? It's like 300 I, Well, with tip, I think this past one was like 280 So it's haircut and color, and I didn't know the girls spent this much. And then I talked to some girls at my work like a few years ago, and they're like, Oh, that's like not even that much. Well, because I only have a level two stylist. Certain salons have different levels based on their experience. And if you're at a level four, what I'm having done would be over 400. What do you think they are at Great Clips? What level? Uh, zero minus or negative three. I mean, and I'm not, hey, you know, I'm, yeah. I don't want to knock the people at Great Clips, but I'm not going there to have my hair color. Right, I'm not paying for the level three. There's no way in hell I'm going to Great Clips to have my hair color. I'm paying for a basic haircut. Yes. So yeah. I'm sorry if you work at Great Clips, but... Hey, I appreciate you. So I'll see you next time. But I go you to didn't Great appreciate Clips. this haircut. Well, that's okay. You, you, if it grows out a little bit after like a week, it all looks the same, anyways, because yeah. I barely have any hair. And then gas is going up. Um, I got it for three sixty a gallon yesterday here in Florida. I know that 
probably people in California, I was like, 360, that's like free, basically. Um, but then as I drove yesterday night to go get a card for my our camera, I uh, it was four bucks at that same place. Jeez. So I know that a, a tank didn't stop there and you know, a yeah. gas tank or anything, but uh, <clears throat> gas is going up crazy. So uh, Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but also, I went to the dermatologist, which that's a reminder. You know, it's important to keep up with all these annual appointments we have, especially as we get older. I feel like I can only imagine what elderly people feel like. Because well, I just told a kid on the, the baseball team that I coach with our son. Um, uh, the kid's like, oh, something. And I'm like, well, you know, I'm 20. Over 25, you start dying. So I'm already, my body's shutting down and nice. yours is still growing. They're like, what? You can't jump up and touch this? I'm like, I don't want to. I might break a knee or something like that or do something. So yeah, as we get older, sorry. Yeah, no. So I, I had put off going to the dermatologist probably for years. And you're supposed to go once a year, depending on your skin, maybe even twice a year. It's just one of those important preventative checks to, you know, you could potentially find something early and shame on me for putting it off. But this is just like a little reminder. If you haven't had it done, maybe make an appointment and just bite the bullet and just do it. But for cosmetic purposes, I had several moles removed. And so my back is killing me and my leg is killing me. She got torn up, man. Stitches in my leg. Yeah. I mean, I I go to like pet your leg or something. You're like, it's like you like the stitches. Man. But yeah, good to get checked out. I got to get the old uh, rotor rooter, as my dad calls it. I don't think you do that until you're 50. I think they change it to like 45. Well, you're not 45. You're 42. uh, Up the old butt colonoscopy. You don't have to do that for at least three years. Okay. Well, I'm really, really looking forward to it. It sounds like it. I'll make the appointment today. <laughs> That's what I want to do. So we'll make sure. Uh, <laughs> okay. The old rotor rooter. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's all that's been going on here. Yeah. Um, do you have anything else to add? No, I took all my notes. I'm just excited to dig into your your, your uh, crime thing. You're so, ready to go? Yeah. And so it's your turn this week, my turn next week, and we keep on going that way. Yes, it is. That's what we say. So I will just dive right in here. Um, this story takes place in a little town that you're familiar with because of our friends, Mattapoisett, Massachusetts. Oh, yeah. We have not there. ourselves been, but our one of our best friends, they go yearly to Mattapoisett to vacation. And it looks beautiful. They stay in a cottage right on the water. we got to tell them about this. Yeah. So this story takes place between 2012-2017. The bulk of the story is 2014. So picture like a Cape Cod kind of scene, basically. Yeah. I mean, it's it's all surrounded by the water. Yeah. Beautiful cottages and a lot of little shacks and fish shacks. And yeah. yeah. Of course, these people live here, but... Um, so in 2012, Michelle Carter and Conrad Roy, those are going to be our two key people of the story. Um, they fell in love. Um, they're both from Massachusetts, but ironically, they met in Florida, where we are. Oh. Um, they were vacationing with Conrad was visiting his great aunt with his family and Michelle was visiting her grandparents. And I believe they lived in the same community, you know, with like a country club, probably like a golf course com- community. And Conrad's great aunt introduced conrad to michelle and um real quick so conrad roy um there's a, a goalie in the nhl a former goalie named patrick wah and it was spelled roy so oh yeah kind of weird i mean if it's like canadian and somebody's gonna be like wait you're spelling saying it wrong it's probably roy but oh yeah no this is roy okay good. yeah so um anyway they kind of hit it off right away they were riding bikes they'd go to the beach together basically finish their vacation together um, the two, though, once they returned back to regular life, despite living less than an hour apart from each other, they met less than five times, hmm. maybe five times tops. It threw out how long? Like This story basically kind of wraps up two years later. Oh, okay. And so, they knew that they lived pretty close? Yes. Huh. Yes. Interesting. So ultimately, the relationship developed online. Okay. And... Um, 
you know, even Conrad's family didn't truly even know that they were like kind of dating because she had only met Michelle two times total. And what about age range? Like 20s, they're uh, Michelle 30s. in 2014 is 17. So when they met, she was 15 and Conrad was 16. Okay. So um, they're a year apart from each other. So uh, they, like I said, developed the relationship online. The two exchanged thousands and thousands of text messages, as many people do in this day and age. Um, so just to give you a little idea of who they are, fam- uh, family called Conrad C3 because he was a third. Mm-hmm. His grandfather was Conrad Sr. His father was Conrad Jr. And he was the third. Um, he was uh, one of three children. He had two younger sisters, Camden and Morgan. And the family's life was basically just surrounded by the water, both in work and play. Um, by the time he was a junior in high school, he basically worked with his dad full time on his sailboat. And he I guess it's a very big accomplishment. I don't know anything about this, but he earned his captain's license at Northeast Marie- Maritime Institute. Wow. That's uh, when big. he was only eighteen years old. I'm which I guess like I, know, but that sounds like I guess that's deal. like a huge honor when you're only eighteen. Okay. So that was a big deal. Um, but his parents ended up separating when he was only 16 and their divorce really hit him hard. I think that's just a really tough age. Yeah. You know, you're in high school, you've got your things going on and he really, he took it hard. So during high school, his parents started to notice that his grades were slump slipping and he was struggling to focus. He had trouble sleeping and he did confide in his parents that he had racing thoughts and felt like he was losing his memory. So they took him to doctors and psychiatrists to help him and he began taking the antidepressant Celexa at this time. Um, his mom said, if my kids are happy, I'm happy. And I think most parents would agree with that statement. So that's yeah. what, that's like really all we want. We you, want our kids to be happy. Once I, we, you have a kid, it's just like, that's kind of what it is now. Not, you know, you got to still, you know, teach them things and, you know, letdowns will happen, but yeah, of course. I mean, ultimately doing their happiness stuff is yeah. the best. And you know, that's what I told our 13 year old. I think it's tough too, because as kids hit teenage years, their emotions kind of spiral and they don't know how to handle it. And I told our son, because he's a 13-year-old and you can kind of tell he's like going through some changes. Um, but I said, you know, I'm 42 years old and sometimes once a month, my emotions will spiral and I have a hard time handling it. So it's it's okay. Just just know that it's okay. There was someone on Twitter that said, uh, can somebody explain to me why my 15-year-old daughter hates me even though like I give her love and affection? I'm like, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not a psychiatrist or anything, but from what I, everything I've read, it's like you got a picture that their brain is changing from a kid's brain to an adult brain. And yeah. there's a lot of things that need to fire inside of that brain in order to make it happen. And it changes everything and their whole body is changing. So it's not their fault. We all know that. But yeah, puberty is tough. Man. It is tough. I mean, our son has probably grown like four inches, five inches in the past year. Their bodies are going through crazy, crazy changes. The hormones are surging. It's just like a perfect storm for problems. Yeah. So um, Conrad's dad had said, you know, watching his son struggle just absolutely destroyed his soul, which, you know, you take it on yourself a little bit and you're like, you know, I I wish we would have been able to be change something and not Mm -hmm. put this on him. So he said he was so sad to watch him go through this struggling with like who to sit with at school, um, getting picked on by certain kids. 
And then in October of 2012, kind of backtracking a little bit, Conrad was hospitalized after a serious suicide attempt. Mm. I guess he overdosed on acetaminophen. And to the point that I, in one article that I read said he could have potentially needed a uh, liver transplant because wow. it destroys your liver. You could tell he wanted to not necessarily go through with it, though, because he did reach out to a friend after he did what he did. And she contacted his parents. That's what they say. A lot of times, like, it's like after the fact, they realize how oh, I shouldn't have done that. Right. Because it's like such an impulsive thing. And they're not thinking that this is forever. Right. So thankfully, his parents got contacted. EMS was called. And he was able to go, you know, survive this. I think he immediately started vomiting and then they may have pumped his stomach. So they got it out of his system in enough time. Poor kid. Um, sadly, he did try to commit suicide at least four times in his teenage years. So definitely had some <clears throat> demons he was working on. Absolutely. And as time went on, moving into 2014, Conrad's family felt he was getting better. He graduated from high school with a 3.88 GPA. He was accepted to college. A scholarship was in the works. Things were looking good. So um, Michelle Carter, on the other hand, she was from Plainville, Massachusetts, a small town of about 8,000 people. Like I said, they lived less than an hour from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, she, she was described as a good student. She was polite, respected by adults in her small town. She was known as a sweet and caring girl, always helpful to other people. And, um, as I go through with this story, people in her town cannot wrap their heads around what, what happened. Hmm. So right now you have no idea, but we will soon find out. Yeah. So on June 13th, 2014, Conrad made a video um, posted to YouTube about how overwhelming his social anxiety was. He was talking about how he needed to take steps to control it and be more proactive about it, trying to basically put himself out there in social situations and also understand that as much as you're focusing on your flaws and what's what's going on in your head, other people aren't seeing that. No, it's like part of the... Uh like when we say it at work, you know, I'll do a lot of presentations in front of a lot of important people and doctors and such. And sometimes people will be like, well, you know, I don't know how I did in that presentation. It's like, you know what you're supposed to say. They don't know what you're going mm-hmm. to say. So you're in an advantage as far as that's concerned. Yeah. Whenever you're talking in a group, most people aren't thinking, oh, this person's an idiot. They're like, no. oh, that's interesting. Or if it's not yeah. interesting, they just wait until the next interesting thing. And it's like, okay, oh, yeah, that is interesting. And they write it down. So you're not nearly as weird as you think you are, basically. Right. And that was what his video was basically about because we have the microscope on ourselves. Other people don't they're worried about their own selves right not focusing on our little tiny flaws that we have amplified in our heads mm-hmm. and that's just the thing it's really it's all in our heads and he was saying in this video that he understood that and that he really was trying to be more confident because i think it sounded like he really uh, oftentimes didn't like himself as a person he thought of himself as like this little tiny speck of dirt in the world that doesn't surprise me with the suicide attempts it's uh and it's tough i mean if anybody's listening I'll, i'm going to post the suicide hotline Right, and I please, have that please, please. in yeah. my notes. We're going to have that in the notes, but please, I, as a kid, you know, I had some some thoughts of not not anything close to actually going no. through with it, but like I wish I wasn't alive anymore, you know. And it's like those cases, like you're just a kid, you don't even know like anything, and you're like your parents love you so freaking much, even if you don't have parents that love you somebody cares for you like i can say that i care for you if you're listening you know to this or as a human being as a human being we're like we're in this together right and we're all struggling and you know when you're a kid 
you think things are the end of the world. And then when you're an adult, you look back and you're like, it was nothing. And my mom used to tell me that. She'd be like, right now you feel like your world is ending and but you're never going to get through with it. Not to take away from what No, and that's just the thing. She said, you're going to look back on this and realize that, you know, this wasn't the end of the world. But you can't imagine that. No, so all I, you when can you're say, in it, you can't. All you can say is it's a hard time you're going through. Yeah. And you will get through it, I promise. You know, like that's that's a support. Yeah. So basically, his video said that, you know, despite being 18, he felt his life was controlled by social anxiety and depression. He said that his parents were great and they loved him, but he was still depressed and he felt like something was wired wrong with him and that talking about it made him feel better. Mm. So um, then on July 12th, 2014, Carter spent the day. So this is just about almost to the day a month later after he had posted this video. So July 12th, 2014, Carter spent the day with his mom, Lynn, and his two sisters at the beach. Afterward, he took his sisters for ice cream. He left the house around 6 p.m. that evening and told his mom that he was going to see a friend. She asked him if he'd be home for dinner, and he said he didn't think so. Those were the last words she ever spoke to her son. Mm -hmm. It just makes me sick inside. So that evening, Michelle randomly texts Conrad's sister Camden, saying that she and Conrad were officially boyfriend and girlfriend. And it didn't sound from what I was reading that she would often text Camden. So at this age, they're what, like 18 and 17? Um, 17 or? and 18, okay. yes. Okay, right, sorry. So Michelle is 17, Conrad is 18. Okay. So Camden had said she turned to her mom and she's like, they are? Boyfriend and girlfriend? Like, we didn't know that. News to us. <clears throat> exactly. And then she had also, Michelle asked Camden, do, do you know where Conrad is? And Michelle's like no he's out with friends so at 10 30 or 11 that night lynn texts conrad that's his mom um asking when he'd be home but got no response she tried him again in the middle of the night since he still hadn't come home again no response the next day on july 13th 2014 18 year old conrad roy was reported as a missing person to the fair haven police when he failed to come home lynn knew something was wrong she said that just wasn't like him to stay out without calling. Mm-hmm. She said she felt a rush go through her body as if Conrad passed through her. And it's something she had never felt or experienced before. Wow. She said at that point, she just knew he wasn't there. Mm. Hey guys, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Bloody FM presents hometown ghost stories, a paranormal podcast that investigates a new town every week, bringing you all the hauntings From haunted houses to castles, bridges to asylums, wandering spirits to demons. Over 100 episodes covering different towns all over the world. Tune in to Hometown Ghost Stories live on YouTube every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern or on any podcast platform and find out if your hometown is haunted. That's sad. Yeah, it's very sad. So Conrad drove a black Ford pickup truck, and it was found that afternoon at the Fairhaven Kmart. Conrad was sadly found dead in his truck from acute carbon monoxide intoxication by suicide. Wow. And outside, so did he have a tube like going into the car? So he had purchased a generator, and the generator was sitting on the back seat of the car, just filling the the car with carbon monoxide. Mm. His phone was sitting next to him, dead on his seat. Um, His family was clearly devastated, as any family would be. His mom, Lynn, said that she wished she would have picked up on more signs, seen more that week, that day, saying that she, you know, just didn't understand how bad he was feeling. She thought he was doing better. Well, looking back, it's like, oh, I should have known about this. But it's like, it seems something 
like any other week, you know, where he didn't do anything. So right. you're kind of like, uh, maybe he'll get through it. And hopefully he's going to see a friend that'll make him feel better. Right. And that's the thing. He was right. He was starting to go out and socialize more. So things were looking up. His grades were picking up. He graduated. He was going to college. Like everything was pointing in the right direction. Mm. And it was just she couldn't wrap her head around how this happened. They had just been at the beach that day. Huh. She said, you know, they were driving to the beach. He was happily eating chips and guacamole. You know, that's like a like a like blip on the radar. You'd say like, oh, well, what does him eating chips and guacamole have to do with it? But you would think like if he was thinking his head that night, I'm going to commit suicide. Would you have the appetite to sit and munch on chips and guacamole? Right. I imagine you'd be in your own head. You'd thinking, be in your own head. Yeah, I'm going to do this or whatever. So obviously it wasn't too much premeditated maybe it was i don't know so his sister had noticed that at the beach he was texting somebody while he was sitting in his beach chair or whatever and that he may have seemed a little anxious but his mom really didn't pick up on anything she said had she known how he was feeling or what he was intending to do she would have literally handcuffed him to her car and brought him to the hospital of course she would have yeah you know well any parent would for sure so that night um Michelle had texted Lynn when she found out that Conrad had passed away. I'm so very sorry. Conrad meant so much to me. She also texts Conrad's sister Camden. Hey, love, please talk to me if you need to. I want to do everything I can to help you and your family through this very difficult time. Is there any way I can come over tomorrow? I'm so very sorry. Conrad meant so much to me and was loved by so many. Lynn told Lynn, of course, is Conrad's mom. Lynn told Michelle that she was so glad that Conrad had someone like her in his life. Michelle said, you tried your hardest. I tried my hardest. Everyone tried their hardest to save him. And Lynn thought, what? Like, what are you talking about? Yeah, right. Tried to save him. Like things were going okay. What do you like? There were no signs of impending suicide happening. So definitely Lynn was like, what are you talking about? Right. This is weird. So she had no idea he was feeling as bad as, as he was. Um, and, you know, the hard thing is, too, I think especially with boys, they have a hard time expressing what's on their minds. For sure. And they can be closed books and you can't crack that nut, you know, and you want to and you say, like, what's going on in your mind? What are you what are you feeling? What are you what, what are you thinking? Talk to me. And they're like, oh, nothing, nothing. You can't make somebody share their feelings. Speaking as a, a man, former boy. Uh, yeah, things we don't like talking very much about problems. Uh, I'm I'm more open now because I you know married you and you're very open and sharing things. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, eh, is it worth bringing up? And you know, I'll I'll get through it somehow. I don't know. And then maybe that's like society or whatever it is. I'm not really sure. But it's uh yeah, we we, we tend to keep things internal. And sometimes a female can't understand that because women, for the most part, like Want to, to share. share. Things. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And it's it's tough. And you know, I met you when we were 16, so. You come from a family that doesn't share much. I come from a family who shares too much. Yeah. So it was kind of like meeting in the middle. And, you know, of course, I'm. you're a kid when I meet you, and I'm a kid too, but I'm a very emotional person. And Very, very Like emotional. we say on this podcast, I share what I'm feeling, and you didn't. Right. So I had to def- definitely, like, work on getting that out of you. Yeah, like, uh, you overshare, I don't share at all, and somewhere in the middle is the right thing. Exactly. So, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, what we try to tell our kids is that we might not be able to solve your problems, because clearly we can't go with you to school and fix what's happening, but it's taking that weight off your chest. Somebody sharing with you. Just sharing and knowing that, you know, no matter what, we have your back. Right. I've got your back and we will get through this. I promise you, come hell or high water, we will get through this. And I know for a fact that Conrad's parents would have helped him get through this, but 
they didn't know. And that's just the saddest part of it. So how did Michelle know? So we'll find out. Yeah. When Conrad's family told Michelle that Conrad had been cremated, because she had texted saying, like, will it be an open casket? And they're like, no, he's not going to be buried. He's being cremated. She And that they're going to spread half of his ashes into the ocean at his grandparents' house, where it's very fitting, because, again, he grew up on the water. Captain stuff. Yep, yep, all that. Michelle asked if she could have some of his ashes, which the family was like, mm, who, what? Like, they don't know this girl. Right. Keep in right. mind. Yeah. At, to this date, Conrad's mom had met Michelle one time in 2013 when he she had come to one of his baseball and games. And it's hard to believe that they're so close when it's like, I haven't even like really talked to Because you don't know what's going on in these texts. Right. They don't know the depth of the relationship because they haven't seen it. Sure. So they found that strange. So at the funeral, Conrad's close friend, um, Ariana, said that Michelle sat up close near the family area. She said she seemed like a grieving widow constantly sobbing and really kind of making a scene right and again nobody knows this girl they're like what's going on with this yeah it's at the same time she's sad sure but they're they're, this is all news to them in this front ariana she understood and she hugged michelle not knowing her but you know knowing that she had a relationship with conrad Mm -hmm. but she did seem like huh what the heck weird so conrad had left a journal filled with suicide notes to his family he also left a note for michelle in it, he left passwords to his laptop and his iPhone. So when they found Conrad in his truck, his phone was there. It was it was dead. The battery had run out. So once they opened the phone, detectives saw a message thread between Conrad and Michelle Carter on seven twelve, which of course was the day he drove to the um, Kmart. Mm-hmm. At 5.17 p.m., they saw a text from Michelle that read, did you delete the text messages? So police ended up extracting more than a thousand deleted text messages between Conrad and Michelle. Wow. And they quickly discovered how disturbing these text messages were. And the DA's office was contacted. Jeez. So here's just a little blip of some of the texts that they they saw. So Michelle says, are you going to do it now? Carter said, Carter. Conrad, I constantly wanted to call him Carter in my head because her last name is Carter. Oh, okay. And in most of the sources that I read, they called them by their last names, which right. both of their last names are people's names. Yeah, Carter, Carter and Roy. And Roy. Mm-hmm. So I, I kept getting that messed up. So my apologies. So Conrad said, I just don't know how to leave them, you know? And Michelle said, so you're going to the store or something? You're overthinking. Conrad said, I know I'm overthinking. I've been overthinking for a while now. Michelle says, I know. You just have to do it like you said. Are you going to do it now? Oh, my God. What a psycho. What the fuck is wrong with this? This is just a little tiny scraping of the things I'm going to read you. And you will want to throw up and simultaneously donkey kick this chick in the face. (sighs) Because as a mother, I can't wrap my head around. As a human, I cannot wrap my head around this. How? And honestly, as I'm speaking right now, I have like terrible goosebumps through my whole body just thinking that a person would possibly text these things to somebody that felt suicidal. I mean, initial reaction as a parent is like, I want to end this Michelle's life immediately, but you can't. Obviously, you can't just kill people. So, no. uh, God, so what a terrible thing. Detective Scott Gordon and Glenn Cudmore headed to Rentham, Massachusetts, where Michelle went to high school. They interviewed her there, and she admitted, ultimately, I think initially she was kind of denying talking to him that day. Yeah. We have all the texts, you stupid I don't, idiot. I don't think at this point in time no. she knew what they had. Of course had. not. No, they want to see what she's going to yeah, share. Yeah, exactly. So she said, 
Then she admitted, yes, they were talking that night. The phone hung up, but she thought nothing of it when they were speaking the night he committed suicide. Yeah. Detectives got a search warrant because they just didn't believe a friggin' well, word that was coming out of the They read all the texts. They're yes. like, you're lying. Okay. Oh, that sounds good. So they got a search warrant for her phone, and you can hear the interview. Uh, you couldn't see it. You could just hear it. And they're like, so we we got a search warrant for your phone, Michelle, and we're taking it. She's like, what? You're taking my phone? They're like, yes, we're taking your phone. So they take it. They extracted over so, 60,000 items. Well, she's going into this meeting thinking, okay, I'll be, be able to go back home. And now it's like, shit, there's so much on this phone. Yep. So the um, MA, the Massachusetts State Police extracted over 60,000 items that included pictures, text messages, voice messages, call logs, chats through Facebook, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Basically all that she's been doing on her phone. So detectives sifted through everything and they interviewed the two detectives that had gone through this. So they each went home and they both read through about a thousand texts apiece. They came together the next day at the office and just looked at each other and they're like, holy shit. Yeah. So basically it also showed that the night he committed suicide at 628 PM, Conrad called Michelle. They spoke for 43 minutes at 712 PM. Michelle called Conrad and they spoke for another 47 minutes. So after sifting through these text messages, the, the detectives quickly concluded that it had, had it not been for Michelle and her encouragement, Conrad would likely still be alive today. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like, I mean, just from the couple seconds you said about the text, have you done it yet? Have you done it? Like, she was getting off on this. She loved the control and she loved the, I mean, it's it's kind of like murder. It's like indirect murder. Uh, obviously, Conrad had his problems, but like. Man. It was a very big push. Yeah, for sure. You can't make a non-suicidal person go into their car and put a generator no. in there. Right. But when you're in a bad place and have the potential of going down that road, you can be pushed. Is And that is my opinion, that you can be pushed along. Yeah, and I, I, I would imagine that because you're capable. And it's obviously he's had attempts and stuff in the yep. past. And she saw this as like a challenge. And maybe, you know, I don't know if this will come out in the story, but maybe when they met in Florida, they had a, a conversation and he's like, you know, I'm going to try to like make sure I kill myself and I want you to make sure I do. But even, either way, like a, a regular human that has compassion wouldn't talk somebody into Never. killing themselves. Never. And you will find out more of why they, th- yeah. they think that this happened. Um, so um, this is now a criminal case and a grand jury was returned as, a, or I'm sorry, a grand jury returned an indictment for involuntary manslaughter on February 5th, 2015. That's what I was, so it's like, it's manslaughter but it's not it's certainly not murder because no, she didn't right. put her hands on him and murder him and the more i do these the more i do these crime podcasts the, the more i'm learning about mm-hmm. all these different levels and i'm sure a lot of you out there are experts on all this stuff but it seems like a manslaughter kind of thing but they're going to try to get what they can so involuntary manslaughter yep. seems like a slam dunk basically so she was booked and released on bail the following day obviously it's like reliving conrad's death all over again once his family finds out about these texts shock disbelief disgusted just unable to fathom that somebody would would say these things yeah just to your son to your baby basically mm-hmm. and it's to anybody that you love like whether you have sons or daughters or not like imagine this happening to a friend no somebody come goes out of their way to your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever and it's just like yeah you should do it like imagine the rage you would feel about that i can't so here's just another 
text you could see. Drink bleach. Why don't you just drink bleach? Hang yourself. Jump off of a building. Stab yourself. IDK. There's a lot of ways. So many ideas. This, yeah. Such a nice person, Michelle. You sack of shit. What's so? And I hope you get to know like what her background is and everything. So we'll just get a little bit. And yeah. so we'll just keep going. Okay. Sorry. No, it's okay. These are very reasonable <laughs> I'm, emotions. I'm feeling, I'm feeling a lot of bad things yeah. towards Michelle. Me too. I was absolutely sick and disgusted by reading this. So Michelle's attorney, Joseph Cataldo, my apologies, Joseph, felt that she committed no crime. There's no law in Massachusetts or 10 other states that criminalizes encouragement of suicide. And how do you be a lawyer? I mean, I know there's lawyers that defend pieces of crap like this all the time. And I know their, their job is to defend the letter of the law. But it's like, come on, man, this person's a piece of shit and needs to like fester he, somewhere. I mean, he has to know this, yeah, but, but he's defending her. Well, you're a piece of shit too, Joe. Joe. Well, Joseph Cattle. Cataldo. I don't know why I can't say that last name. Doesn't matter. Your last name, you're you're ruining your last name because you're a piece of shit. Okay. So he said that she was 40 miles away from Conrad and that he could have stayed out of his truck and hung up the phone. There's no coercion here. He argued that Conrad was determined to take his own life and that his death was a suicide, not a homicide. So June 5th, 2017, the trial began. At this point in time, Michelle was 20 years old. And she waived her right to a jury trial, leaving it to Judge Lawrence Moniz. So rather than having the jury decide, the judge is going to be the sole decider to determine her guilt or innocence. The first witness... That's weird. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because then there can always be a a shady judge who's like, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Case is missed. It was an interesting choice. I don't know much about, you know, why she would have done this. But the first witness called to the stand was Lynn, Conrad's mom. Um... Also, girls from Michelle's school came forward in trial and said that Michelle often complained that she felt she had no friends. They themselves said they saw her in school. She played sports, too. She was in softball. But none of them really hung out with her outside of school. And honestly, a lot of her texts were very desperate and hard to read. Mm -hmm. And you could tell the other girl on the other side of the phone was like, nice, very nice girls, but... Like, it was just, like, cringy. Like, like I'd rather Ugh. not be talking to you right now. Okay, that sounds good. And, and you can just tell it was very awkward text and, like, ha-ha, you want to hang out? How about we hang out? Want to hang out? And it's like, um, I have to work tonight. Oh, um. Yeah, definitely later. Take care. And lots of, like, LOLs, lots of ha-has, lots of, like, you know, just awkward, yeah. strange exchanges that are just, like, ugh, you know? Yeah. So I think she was just kind of desperate to have friends. Yeah. So between July 10th and 11th, and, and at this point in time, Conrad is home and well. You know, obviously, he went to the beach with his mom on the 12th. So this is July 10th and 11th. Days before Conrad committed suicide, Michelle begins texting these girls, lying that Conrad is missing. Hmm. And saying it's his fault if he's done anything. I wasn't there to save him. During this time, she's simultaneously texting Conrad. So it's like she's trying to get attention from these girls from school. And nothing's even happened to Conrad at this point. Wow. So basically, the belief is that she built this story and people would know that she was a liar. So she needed to convince Conrad to do something so that she didn't look like a liar. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So um, she's like... What a psychopath. Like I said, texting Conrad at this time saying, are you going to go buy it? Referring to the machine that he would use to kind of like, you got to make sure I look good to these people I'm trying to lie to so they'll be my friends. Right. Like, and give me attention. There's other ways to make friends, yep, sweetheart. Sadly, there are. 
So Conrad said, I think so. And she says, okay, when? This is about going to buy the generator. So then on July 12th, this is the night that Conrad drove to the Kmart. At 8.02 p.m., Michelle texts Sam, a girl from school, saying that Conrad called her. There was a loud noise like a motor. I heard moaning like someone was in pain, and he wouldn't answer when I said his name. I stayed on the phone for like 20 minutes, and that's all I heard. I think he just killed himself. So he tells she tells Sam this at the time that Conrad is likely committing suicide. But wouldn't the question be... Did you call the police? Did you call his parents? Yeah, uh, call somebody. Nine one one is the first thing. Like, why are you texting me, stupid? Yeah, so I don't know if that though the teenage girls ever asked her that. Maybe not. You know, they're kids. Yeah, they're knows. kids. You know, yeah. they're they're seventeen years old. I mean, you should be smart enough to say call nine one one. But yeah. at the same time, there's drama involved, and they're like, well, what's happening? You want to know what's happening next? Yeah, and they're really not close friends with no. Michelle, right? And then also that same evening at 9.24 p.m., Michelle was texting another girl saying that Conrad called her and she heard muffled sounds and some type of motor running. It was like 20 minutes and he wouldn't answer. I think he killed himself. Again, she says, I heard moaning sounds and pain. I tried to call back. He didn't answer or anything. He told me that he had got a generator for work that day. On the phone, I heard a motor running, and I think it was the generator. I looked it up online, and they said it's dangerous and fatal, and you can die within 20 minutes. She knew all of these things before, because they had all been sent in text to Conrad before this. Their plan. Yes. Uh, On the next day, um, when he was discovered, on the 13th, at 7.04 p.m., she texted the same friend saying, he's dead, he committed suicide. Then on the 20th, she texted the same friend saying... That, that night when he actually did it, I was talking to him on the phone when he killed himself. I heard him die. So it's like she's completely putting herself there. Yeah. The next day, Michelle asked this girl if she could hang out to get her mind off things. You could totally see she's setting the stage, like, come to my house, spend time with me. And then again, the girl, like, didn't respond for, like, many, many hours. I, and, like, uh, you don't want to get yourself into that. Don't feel, like, pressured to hang out with somebody you don't want to hang out with. Like, you got to surround yourself with people who are positive and in the right direction. If you're feeling like you shouldn't hang out with somebody, don't do it. And Michelle really was described as a bubbly, positive person, but obviously they they saw something in her that just put them. I can't off. believe that she was described as bubbly and positive. And you see her in all these photos, like smiling and such. So it's probably a fake like persona, and just and like, people pick that up. Yeah, they can tell when somebody's not genuine. Like the fake laughs and stuff. I can picture her just like yeah, hey, yeah. It's like, what are you laughing about? Are you crazy? And there were even some texts that I briefly read that said like, I know I'm awkward and blah blah blah, and the girls like, oh god, you know, it's yeah, like, you are. Ugh. Yeah. I just don't want to get into this. Right. Um, Michelle also put together a tournament called Homers for Conrad in Conrad's honor to raise money for mental health awareness. You might think that, oh, this is so nice. Now, two of his close friends thought that this was very weird because she was hosting it in her town of Plainville Instead versus of where, he, where he was from. Right. And you could see some of the text between Tom, his friend, and Michelle saying, Michelle, why are you hosting it in this town? Nobody knows Conrad there. Right. And it was very weird exchanges. Her basically, the biggest gist of this text was, don't think you're going to take credit for this. <laughs> Like, that was brought up multiple times. Wow. And you could tell, like, his friend Tom was like, what the heck? Don't worry. Homer's is your thing. Homer's for Conrad is your thing. I just, I just be think better. It, sh- it would be better You'd here. You'd have more people, awareness, whatever you're trying to raise money for, whatever. Yes. I, you're going to have a better turnout here. So they said that during the event, Tom said Michelle seemed very happy and was loving the attention as a grieving girlfriend. I mean, she looked like she was on cloud nine during this event. 
So as the story and trial went on, Michelle became known as a completely evil person, obviously, and received a heck of a lot of hate. You know, going back to about the trial, I'd imagine, so Michelle's people probably picked um, to have the judge do it, right? I would imagine. I would imagine that the um, attorney yeah, guided her because in that if, if you go against a jury, the whole jury is going to be against right. you. Like regular people, when it gets emotional, you have like almost no chance against a jury because the jury is going to side with you know, right. the, the emotional side. And yeah, I mean, this is <laughs> she's on cloud nine. Like, just what a I initially though, you, you tell me two sentences and I hate this girl already. So. I know, and everybody hated her. So, I mean, it's it's two wrongs don't make a right. And despite the things that she did, I could never stand in front of her and scream out, kill yourself. No. But that's what people were doing. Right. Like, as she's walking through, they'd be like, kill yourself, Michelle, kill yourself. Yeah, that's not the right way to go That's not it. the right way to go about we it. We all feel the same. You don't have to go and suit to her level, basically. No. Yeah. No, Let but- the legal system take care of things. And, I mean, there's never going to be enough justice to bring back Conrad, but... Never. Yeah. Never. But it's a point of, like, this should never have happened. Right. So, during the trial she was completely emotionless. I mean, looked dead in the face. The only time I ever saw her show any emotion was when her verdict, when the verdict was read to her, like how it was going to affect her. Mm -hmm. She sat dead in the eyes. She almost looked like a completely different person than who she looked like in her pictures before everything happens. Like the real part of her came out kind of. And she looked evil. Which was like nothing, basically. Like it was all a cover up, basically being like laughing and smiling and bubbly. It's like, but in the backside, you know, in her, in her brain, it was probably just like dead. You know? Yeah. And trying to find some kind of emotion towards herself. So, yeah. so hungry for an emotion and connection that. And she had her own problems. She. did. Sorry. Did you say the uh, verdict yet? You're getting Not there? yet. I okay. will get there. Okay. So she had her own problems. She was bulimic at one point in time. She was on antidepressants herself. I picture her as pale and skinny. She's very skinny. Yes. Thin, gaunt. Um, But again, she looks like a different person during the trial than she does in her pictures before that. Mm. But just some weird stories came out. Like when she was playing softball, there was a girl on her team and she was telling other friends that there was a spark and connection between her and this girl and that maybe she was bisexual and that there was a lot of flirting going on. And I'm, I'm in love with two people of two different genders at the same time. Isn't that weird? And her friends were like trying to be supportive. Like, no, that's not weird or whatever. But then when it came through, this girl that she was talking about was like, what? There's no spark. There's no nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like, so it was like a lot like of creating drama. lot of things were going on in her head that were not reality. Right. Very bizarre. Her brain's trying to sell herself on this stuff to make yeah. her feel emotion. So she also did a lot of self-harm. Um, she tried hanging herself at one point. How true this is, I don't know. But like, she immediately texted somebody from school and said she was going to do it and was chickening out. Was it just a cry for attention? Who knows? It's sad regardless that anyone would... You got to take every threat seriously about suicide. Yes. Yeah. So on June 29th, about two weeks before Conrad's death, Conrad had texted Michelle. There's nothing anyone can do for me. That's going to make me want to live. It's very bad to hear, but I want to let you know truthfully. We should be like Romeo and Juliet in the end. She says, ha ha. But again, like the ha ha. Like, this does not warrant a ha ha. <laughs> very, very strange. Yeah. I'd love to be your Juliet. And then he says, but do you know what happens in the end? And she says, oh, yeah, in all caps. Fuck no. We are not dying. 
And um, she says the mental hospital would help you. So here she is like showing like normal reaction. Right. I know you don't think it would, but I'm telling you, if you give them a chance, they can save your life. Very appropriate. Sure. He says it doesn't help. Trust me. She says part of me wants you to try something and fail just so you can go get help. But he'd done that before. Right. You know? Yeah, I already done that. And Conrad says the only way I'd hate you is if you told people about this. You hear me? And she says, I'm not going to tell anyone. He says, my mom just saw my laptop. And she says, what's on your laptop? What did your mom see? He said, the page said suicide methods on the front, and she looked right at it. She definitely saw it and read it and just ignored it. She definitely read it. She knows what I'm going through, and maybe she will understand. So that's, wait, Conrad? Conrad is saying this. Okay, so he's kind of trying to get some help? And yes, but I highly, highly doubt that his mom saw this. Right she's a mom she has three kids she probably breezed in his room to grab something and he thinks she saw it but didn't and then thinks like oh man she doesn't even care if i kill myself right yeah and i there's no way she saw it i promise you if your parent is a decent i mean is a parent at all they're gonna care that and you're trying to kill yourself conrad's mom in all of her interviews you could tell she loved her kids she was utterly devastated there's no way she saw this on the screen yeah. but michelle responds with yeah maybe she is accepting it that's really good right <laughs> what what planet are you living on? What a Your mom, she's good with it. She's yeah. accepted it. No, she's never going to accept it. No. You nut. Right. And then she sa- and then he says, I hope so. I really hope I can do this. Michelle at one point said, if you're going to do a last tweet, can it be about me? And then basically tells him what she wants him to say. Love is how you stay alive even after you're gone. Like, And did he tweet it? No. Okay. So then on the defense and trial, Dr. Peter Bruggen said that Michelle switched gears on July 2nd. So this is kind of the point where she went from being go get help, this, that, and the other to do it. Do it, yeah. Just switch gears. So he he thinks that she went through involuntary intoxication from her antidepressant Celexa. Another psychiatrist argues that this makes no sense at all. And another psychiatrist I heard was like, this term isn't even used. Right. Like, you never hear this terminology used. It was an older doctor. It's like, I don't know if this was used back in the 1950s. <laughs> we don't, we're not talking about that anymore, doc. Yeah. You but quack. the one um, psychiatrist had argued that this makes no sense at all, saying that SSRIs, that's what these are, serotonin, whatever. Inhibitors. Yeah. Are remarkably safe and do not make you delusional or psychotic or intoxicated. He felt that the problem was the text, saying that texting separates you and makes you feel less responsible and keeps you away from the human contact. You can say more in text. Like, there's a lot of things, like, you can say things, you know, both good and bad. And it's like, you know, it's it's a lot easier for people that can't say I love you in person to say I love you in text. You know, like my dad for something. You know, he's not a guy that grew up saying I love you to me, but you know, in text all the time he'll say. Yeah. So it's just easier to get emotions out there, and because it doesn't seem like you're really going to affect somebody because you can't see their face. Right. Exactly. It's just you're separated from that eye contact i think and just the human connection so then michelle's text at one point jesus will take care of you babe you'll be happy and protected in heaven i just want you to finally be happy so so happy heaven needs a hero buy tylenol get benadryl that makes you fall asleep fast if you take all the pills in those boxes and fall asleep with a bag tape in all caps tightly to your head so no air can get in you'll definitely die babe Conrad, of course You'll I will be there. definitely die, babe. Like, like this is sick. Can you imagine reading these texts? No. Oh, my no, God. No, I cannot. 
Um, Conrad, of course, I will be there for your family. I will help them as much as I can to get through this. When are you going to do it? Stop ignoring the question. So I'm, you having a female voice is like making it even worse because this is like kind of what she sounds like. Mm-hmm. Ugh, gosh, It's sickening. So on July 3rd, 2014, nine days before Conrad's death, he texts, good night. See you in the next life. So he definitely did play around with the suicide card a lot. You could yeah. tell. He was enjoying the kind of attention and P- stuff too. Perhaps. And then she texts back, Conrad, Conrad, answer me, please. I fell asleep. I'm so sorry. And that's not fair to her. No. This isn't funny. Answer me right now. I'm so sorry. I couldn't save you. Please come back. This is not happening. You're my best friend. You're my boyfriend. I love you so much. Please don't leave me. Hmm. So, you know, this kind of just shows how kind of messed up they're. Yeah, of course. And then they also said that through texts, you could tell that Michelle was way more into Conrad than he was with her. And again, it was like the bizarre text like i don't know some of the things i read where he's like what are you and he would kind of call it right out he'd be like what are you talking about like it'd be a much more serious relationship from her point of view yes. rather than his yeah he's like i mean we talked and we talked sometimes we're not boyfriend and, and they did talk a lot and he did say that yes they were boyfriend and girlfriend he okay. did say that and he did call her babe a couple of times and she's like oh you called me babe um, but I'll talk more about like how she was like in her head in a little bit. So July 5th, 2014, the following texts were sent um, between 8.36 a.m. and 2.16 p.m., eight days before Conrad died. Conrad says, hi. She says, hi. He says, what's up? She says, just woke up. You? Why do you seem happy? Ha ha. Because tonight's the night. You said that last night and the night before. He says, ha ha, I know, but it has to be tonight. I'll be alone. Mom and Brian are sleeping over at a friend's house in Rhode Island. She says, so yeah, tonight seems like the perfect night. Michelle also says, like you have all night to try different things. He says, yes, LOL. And like the whole like LOL and ha ha, like. They're kind of playing around with the idea. You can kind of tell like it's it's it, like he definitely wants to kill himself and he's enjoying this interaction. And at the same time, you know, he probably doesn't do it because he wants to, you know, have that conversation again about how he's going to kill himself. And he's enjoying the process of, you know, them coming up with this plan. Yeah, I guess. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> but it's like, it's it's funny because it's so morbid, I guess. I, it, I get it. It's I get very morbid, but it's so serious. And I would just be like, let's go. I'm going to go get you right now. We'll take yeah. you to the hospital. Please, let's do this. We're not dealing with those people. And then she says, there's a difference between saying, I'm going to try to commit suicide and I'm going to commit suicide. And he says, well, I'm going to try. And she says, so you don't want it bad enough. You already know you're going to fail because part of you wants to fail. Just saying. And he says, yeah. And she says, yeah, what? And he says, it's just hard, Michelle. And she says, I know it is. And he's uh, so Conrad did not take his life that day. But obviously, eight days later, he would. So in the days before Conrad took his life, the following message were also exchanged. Michelle says, I think your parents know you're in a really bad place. I'm not saying they want you to do it, but I honestly feel like they can accept it. And uh, Conrad's mom said, like, she thought we would just, like, get over it. And I will never, to the day I die, get over this, ever. Of course. But any human knows that. That's, like, you know, not insane. She was so blasé about it, though. Like, I'll help them get through. Bitch, they don't even know you. Right. Nobody's helping them get through it. I mean, (laughs) not even a family member, a close family member. It's just, like, you just got to deal with it. It's the worst thing they're ever going to feel in their lives. 
It's and terrible. she says, they know there's nothing they can do. They've tried helping. Everyone's tried. But there is a point that comes where there isn't anything anyone could do to save you, not even yourself. And you've hit that point, And I think your parents know you've hit that point. Again, Conrad's mom said, I would have handcuffed him to my car and taken him to the hospital had I known this. Of course. Yeah. You said your mom saw a suicide thing on your computer and didn't say anything. I think she knows it's in your on your mind and she's prepared for it. Everyone will be sad for a while, but they will get over it and move on. What a sick shit, man. They what? won't be in a depression. I won't let that happen. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, gosh. It'll make me feel better. I know. It's crazy. They know how sad you are. They know that you are doing this to be happy. And I think they will understand and accept it. They will always carry you in their hearts. And he says, oh, thank you, Michelle. She says, they will move on for you because they know that's what you would have wanted. They know you wouldn't want them to be sad and depressed and be angry and guilty. They know you want them to live their lives and be happy. So they will for you. You're right. You need to stop thinking about this and just do it because overturning always kills. Overthinking. He says, yeah, it does. I've been thinking about it for too long. She says, always smile. And yeah, you just have to do it. You have everything you need. There's no way you can fail. Tonight is the night. It's now or never. So she's hard, hard, hard selling this suicide thing. Like, and it only gets worse. Just like everything she can think of. She's pulling out like, oh, well, uh, your mom doesn't care and this and they're mm-hmm. going to be fine. And don't worry, I'm going to cover everything, taking care of everything he's worried about to yes. not do it. Basically, like checking those check marks off and just being like, you have no other reason now. I've, exactly. I've taken care of everything now. Kill You're yourself. good. You're good yeah. to go. Right. Um, and you'll you'll see on the the evening it actually happens. Like he didn't even want to do it. Right. So he says, "Okay." So she says, "Just do it, and then you'll succeed." Like she says, basically, don't think you're going to fail because you will. So just think you're going to succeed and you will. He says, right. That's what I'm talking about. I read so much about failed attempts gone wrong that it's gotten me discouraged. She says, yeah, exactly. So stop doing that. There's more success than there are failures. I doubt it. That's messed up. I mean, it doesn't really matter, but it's just like. (laughs) He says, are you kidding me? (laughs) (laughs) Are you stupid? Of course there's not. She says, you have to look at it that way. People only fail because they have the same mindset of you thinking that they're going to fail. And he says, I really want to believe you. Well, why don't you? You can you can't think about it. You just have to do it. You said you were going to do it like I don't get why you aren't. And he says, I don't get it either. I don't know. And she says, because he doesn't want because he doesn't want to. That's pretty obvious. And she says, so I guess you aren't going to do it then. All of that for nothing. I'm just confused. Like, you were so ready and determined. And he says, I'm going to eventually. I really don't know what I'm waiting for, but I have everything lined up. Michelle says, well, I guess just because you always say you are going to do it, but you don't. But last night, I know you really wanted to do it, and I'm not mad. Well, I mean, kind of, I guess. Just because you always say you're going to do it, but you just don't. But last night, I knew you really wanted to do it, and I'm not mad. You're not joking about this or bullshitting me, right? I just want to make sure you're being serious. Like, I know you are, I but I don't know. You always say you're going to do it, but you never do. I just want to make sure tonight is the real thing. Don't do it in the driveway. You'll be easily found. Find a spot. He says, I don't know. I'm thinking like a public place. If I go somewhere private, they may call the cops. She says, well, then maybe somebody will notice you. Do you think you will get caught? I mean, it only takes 30 minutes, right? Just park your car and sit there. It will take like 20 minutes. It's not a big deal. (laughs) (laughs) She's just so hellbent on this happening. I think she's just sick of it, you know, the back and forth and the back and forth. And she just wants him to be gone because she wants that power. And she can't wait to be the the 
you the know, grieving girlfriend and yeah, get the attention. The shining princess who comes in and helps everybody. So this is the day he actually takes his life. She says, hey, Conrad, are you there? He said, hey, sorry, I fell asleep. It's okay. Why haven't you done it yet, though? If I read one more time, are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Have you done it? Are you going to do it? Are you going to do it? Like, I was ready to scream. It seems like this, I mean, that happened several times. I mean, dozens and dozens of times. So she's asking him, why haven't you done it? He says, I'm too messed up to. What are you talking about in my head? You think about it. You just have to do it. You said you were going to do it. I just don't get why you aren't. He says, I don't either. I don't get it either. IDK. She says, so I guess you aren't going to do it then. All for nothing. I'm just confused. Like you were so ready and determined. He says, I'm going to eventually. And and he says, I really don't know what I'm waiting for, but I have everything lined up. No, you're not, Conrad. Last night was it. You keep pushing it off and you say you'll do it, but you never do. It's always going to be that way if you don't take action. Like he's he has this voice in his head already to kind of say that you shouldn't be here. And then he's got this chick berating the same thing. Like it's like double trouble. The one voice isn't strong enough for him to do it. But she's kind of almost like he's going to be like, I'm sick of listening to her say that I'm not doing it over and over and over. You're just making it harder on yourself by pushing it off. You just have to do it. Do you want to do it now? And he says, is it too late? And he says, I don't know. It's already light outside. I'm going to go back to sleep. I love you. I'll text you tomorrow. No, it's probably the best time now because everyone's sleeping. Just go somewhere in your truck. And no one's really out right now because it's an awkward time. It's an awkward time. No, you're an awkward person. human being yeah and uh she says if you don't do it now you're never gonna do it and you can't say you'll do it tomorrow but and you can say you'll do it tomorrow but you probably won't and she's like feasting out she's like it's so close it's so close just do it and then she says love you and he says thank you and he says she says for what are you awake he says yes are you gonna do it today he says yes like in the daytime he says should i and um she says yeah it's less suspicious you won't think about it as much and you'll get it over with instead of waiting until the night you'll get it over with this is death like this is done right there's no more after this she's kind of viewing it as a game it is like she doesn't realize maybe she does realize i don't know like i truly don't know and then he says yeah then i will like where like you could go like i could go into an enclosed area is what he says she says go in your truck and drive into a parking lot somewhere go park or something do it now like early and then he said, didn't we we say this was suspicious? And she says, no, I think night is more suspicious. As a kid sitting in his car, just turn on the radio and do it. It won't be suspicious and it won't take long. And he says, okay, I'm taking Holly for a walk. Obviously, this is his dog. She says, okay. I mean, that's like he's taking his dog for a walk. Like, you know. Just trying to get out of his head, you know, and trying and leaving his phone there because he could take his phone. But he's right. like, I'm going to go take my dog for a walk and try to figure out what I need to do here. And she says, okay. And then he says, I don't know why I'm like this. And she says, sometimes things happen and we never have the answers why. And he said, like, why I'm so hesitant lately? Hmm. Because you don't want to do it. Listen to that voice. That's the voice that everybody in your life wants you to listen to. And he says, like, two weeks ago, I was willing to try everything. And now I'm worse, really bad. And I'm not... I'm not falling through this. It's eating me inside. And she says, you're so hesitant because you keep overthinking it and pushing it off. You just need to do it, Conrad. The more you push it off, the more it will eat at you. You're ready and prepared. All you have to do is turn on the generator and you will be free and happy and no more pushing it off. No more waiting. He says, you're right. She says, if you want it as bad as you say you do, it's time to do it today. And he says, yep, no more waiting. 
She says, okay, I'm serious. Like, you can't even wait until tonight. You have to do it when you get back from your walk. He says, thank you. She says, for what? Still being here. I would never leave you. You're the love of my life, my boyfriend. You're my heart. I'd never leave you. And he says, aw. And she says, a smiley face. I love you. He says, I love you too, with like a big smiley face. It's like, we're talking about you dying here. I'm so well, he's confused. viewing it as like a Romeo and Juliet thing, and she's just viewing it as like a power trip. Like, I can't wait till he's gone so I can do all these things. They're like viewing it from different positives from their perspectives. It's uh, r- really un- sad. It is really sad. And she says, okay, so when are you back from your walk? He says, like, five minutes. Okay, are you going to do it? Again, with just the gonna constantly, do it. Like, I'm sick of this chick. And then he responds back, I guess. Well, I want you to be ready and sure. And he sends like a sticking the tongue out emoji that's uh what's that mean haha i don't know i'm freaking out again i'm overthinking yes because this is your life you should be overthinking they don't want you doing this nobody wants you doing this it's like (sighs) god sending you a a thing like don't do this it makes me so sad how it ends though you know we know he did it right so she says i thought you wanted to do this the time is right and you're ready you just need to do it you can't keep living this way you just need to do it like you did last time and not think about it just do it babe you can't keep doing this every day the babe just like bugs I, it's the like shit out of babe me. yeah you're talking about your babe killing himself babe, and being gone from this world forever i love you i want you to die i you know, i would be ugh. on your doorstep clawing at your legs saying please don't do this don't do this don't do this don't you know yeah oh i like it makes me sick he says i do i i want to but like i'm freaking out for my family i guess i don't know probably while he's at the beach he's not yet yet at the beach he um michelle says conrad i told you i'll take care of them yeah you'll take care of his family okay oh good everyone will take care of them to make sure they won't be alone and that people will help them get through we talked about this they will be okay and accept it people who commit suicide don't think this much and they just do it he says i know i know lol thinking just drives me more crazy she says exactly you just need to do it conrad or i'm gonna get you help how about you get him help? <laughs> yeah, that's the better one. Jeez. She says, you can't keep doing this every day. He says, okay, I'm going to do it today. She says, do you promise? He says, I promise, babe. I have to now. Like right now? Where do I go? You can take a break. Oh, she says, and you can't, you can't take a break. I promise. I don't know what that means. Just go in a p- quiet parking lot or something. He says, okay. She says, go somewhere you know you won't get caught. You can find a place. I know you can. Are you doing it now? He says, I still have no clue. And she says, not finding a place to go isn't an excuse. And he says, I know where to go. She asks, where? He says, a park and ride. She says, ride. He said, that's what it's called. It's like a parking lot. Oh, okay, gotcha. Are you going now? Um, either that or go to the beach. She says, why would you go to the beach? He says, well, that's where my mom's going. And she says, I thought you were just going to do it. He says, my mom is making me go. When I get home, I'm going to do it. She says, okay, promise? I'm going kayaking anyways. She says, he says, haha, you love kayaking. Like, we're having this side conversation. It's like... No, don't have a side conversation. Just we see go get the train, help. We see the train get into the edge here. And it's like, just stop, like somehow hit the brakes. And she says, yep. So something I wish we could have done. It's like, yeah, you, you can. can. You, you can freaking... go kayaking. You yeah. live 40 minutes away from each other. You drive 20. He drives 20. Go kayaking. Right. And he says, ha ha. Of 
course, or she said oh, they used to talk about her having a son and him him being named Conrad. So he says, make sure you take your son kayaking. And he says, ha ha, of course. She says, ha ha, of course I will. And he says, good, what's up? So you can tell some time has elapsed at this point. And she says, kayaking, ha ha. Still, yep, but I'm done now. And he says, I love you so much. And she says, I love you forever. He says, I'm in the worst pain right now, like it's unbearable. And she says, I think it's time to do it now then. And she says, do you agree? Conrad, please answer me. And he says, I'm still at the beach. Oh, okay, sorry. Let me know when you're leaving. He says, okay. So at 340, he texts her and says, I'm determined. And she says, I'm happy to hear that. He says, I'm ready. She says, good, because it's time, babe. You know that. When you get back from the beach, you've got to do it. You're ready. You're determined. It's the best time. He says, okay, I will. She says, are you back? And he says, no more thinking. And she says, yes, no more thinking. You need to just do it. No more waiting. He says, I'm on my way back and I know where to go now. She says, where? He says, a parking lot. There's going to be no cars there at nine. So that's when I'll be found. She says, okay, perfect. And then he says, she says, when will you be home? 10 minutes. Ha ha. And he says, ha ha, that's perfect. Question mark. So like he sees. This is fucked up. Like you shouldn't be (laughs) encouraging me to do this. He sees that this is messed up. Yeah. Like she's getting off on it. Like, what are you? Are you crazy? But at the same time, he's. I think he's like made up his mind. Yeah. Once he said determined, I think that it was like him. Like, yep, it's happening. And she says, okay, well, yeah, IDK, kind of, because he was questioning why she would say it's perfect. And he says, like, I don't want to kill anyone else with me. And she said, you won't, question mark. He says, but when they open the door, they won't know it's there. It's odorless and colorless. So now he's trying to, like, get out of it. Talk himself out of it. Like, get out. Yeah, you're not supposed to do this. And again, you're overturning. They will see the generator. They will realize you breathed in this. She called it CO, the carbon monoxide. Yeah. And he said, so should I keep it in the back seat or in the front? She says, in the front, you could write on a piece of paper and tape it on there saying carbon monoxide <laughs> or something if you're scared. She's trying to, everything in his head, she's trying to take it away. Yeah. Like, oh, no, don't worry. Nope. Just put a big sign. We got that covered. We got that covered. Nope. Yeah. And he says, I was thinking that, but somebody might see it before it actually happens. And she says, well, wait, the generator is going to be on because you'll be passed out. So she corrects herself by saying you'll be passed out and says in the little asterisk, dead. So it's like, oh, my gosh. She says, they'll know you use carbon poisoning. And he says, it's not loud, is it? She she says, not really, LMAO. Like, nobody's laughing their ass off here. He says, okay, good. She says, of course, again, are you going to do it now? I'm home. Okay. And then he says, ah, like A-H-H-H. And she says, what? And he says, I don't know. I'm stressing. And she says, you're fine. It's going to be okay. You just have to do it, babe. You can't think about it. This is your brain telling you no, 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 no. Like, listen to the brain that's trying to be, you know, (laughs) trying to tell you the right thing. I know. And he says, okay, okay, I've got this. And she said, yes, you do. I believe in you. Did you delete the messages? That's the one. Yep. Yes, but you're going to keep messaging me? And she says, I will until you turn on the generator. It just like makes me so sick and sad. Like, no, she's going to stop messaging him because she knows he's going to die. Yeah. And he says, okay, well, I'm bringing my sisters for ice cream. Mm. Like in this time, he's taking his little sisters for ice cream. In his head, kind of saying goodbye, I guess. Oh, it's so sad. And that's an interesting thing. Before he left his mom, he didn't really say anything. Just, you know, um, I'm just going to a friend's house. Okay, bye. I don't know if it was just like the ripping off a Band-Aid. Yeah. I don't know. 
And she says, so will you do it when you get back? And he says, yep, I'll go right there. And she says, okay. And he says, I love you. And she says, I love you so much. And then they do a smiley face and a heart emoji to each other. And so the whole time taking thumb for ice cream, he's probably thinking about it. Of course. I'm sure that's all he's thinking about. Yeah. And he texts back saying, ha ha, what are you doing? And she says, nothing really, just resting. And he says, okay, I'm procrastinating. And she says, yeah, ha ha, I know. Are you back? And he says, yep. And she says, so it's time. And he says, oh, it's been time. Of course, again, are you going to do it now? I just don't know how to leave them, you know? And of course, the idiot says, say you're going out or something to the store. And she says, like, I want them to know that I love them. So when he says leave them, he doesn't mean physically leave no, the house. No, not the actual act of going right now. He just means leave this world life, yeah. and this life. And like, again, he says, like, I want them to know I love them. And she says, they know. It's one thing they definitely know. And you're overthinking. I know I'm overthinking. I've been overthinking for a while now. I know. You just have to do it like you said. Are you going to do it now? I haven't left yet. Ha ha. Why? She says. At 6.20 p.m., he texts, leaving now. If you love somebody, you they don't want you to leave the life. You know, like if you truly love somebody, you're worried about them knowing that you love them, then don't leave them because that's so much worse. I mean, you this is all logic, you know, and the logical brain isn't really it's working. Not, it's suicide. not there right now. Yeah. But all I could think in my head is, Conrad, you're 18. Your family loves you. You have a scholarship to college. You have your captain's license. Like, you can have a wonderful life. Live it on the water. Whatever makes you happy. You if life don't sucks right now, to do this. Like your life is totally different when you're in your 30s. It's going to be so- completely different. And I, you know, trust us. We're here in the other side, and it's life is not like when you're a teenager. Anymore. No, and, and being a teenager friggin' sucks. It sucks. I hated it. Yeah. I always knew I was meant to be, like you say, 40. You were born at 40, practically. So I, I did enjoy a lot of teenage time, like going yeah, out and having fun, of for course. sure. But do you it's, know that it's challenging too. Not being a parent and having your parents taking care of you and just having no worries you know you're well not that it's no worries it's smaller worries different worries well, not, yeah. but you're out with your friends you come home dinner's prepared for you you didn't cook it you know somebody else did like that's yeah. that's great but hey, mom or dad can i have 10 bucks to get some food yeah sure here you go it's it, like just done. done what's done, done. so unfortunate though is that i watched his youtube video from the month before and yeah. you could tell he was like a logical person and that he had his head on straight like you could tell he recognized that he was struggling and that he just had to keep moving forward i believe that this kid could have easily gotten help and been okay i really do believe it it's like this is just like a spur of the moment decision like where he was just being bombarded right every single second like are you ready, every are you ready friggin- babe, babe? If I, I again if i read are you gonna do it now it was like hundreds of times yeah. you're gonna do it now it's almost like he did it to shut her up yes and get her out of his brain yes like i can't get away from this girl ever again so i'm just gonna kill myself so he says you know again at 620 leaving now she says okay you can do this he says okay i'm almost there she says okay so at 9 19 p.m we already know they've made their 40 minute conversations times two because it was at 628 and then it was at seven something this is 9 19 p.m after she had texted her school friends saying i heard moaning i heard a motor he's i think he's dead she's texting him please answer me i'm scared are you okay i love you please answer 10 38 p.m you're at your dad's. Camden told me. I'll get you help soon, I guess. Like, I don't know what the point of that was. And then she says, I thought you actually did it. So after Conrad's death, Michelle continued to text his phone, sending him more than 80 messages, knowing Psycho. he was dead. Knowing. Well, pretty sure, I guess. Or maybe. I oh, know. she knew. Okay. 
The morning after Conrad killed himself, she wrote, did you do something? Question mark, question mark, exclamation mark. Because in her mind, he's deleted all their previous texts. So this is setting her up to now be the concerned girlfriend. Conrad, I love you so, so much. Please tell me this is a joke. Two days later, she said, I love you so much. Sweet dreams, babe. I know you're up there smiling down on me. I I will always smile back. I love you forever. On July 21st, she texts, I read this thing online about trying to agree with the person and that you would make them change their mind because they see how stupid they're being. Covering her tracks. But it didn't work for you, and I did it for too long. You probably thought I was okay with it, and you talked about being in heaven and being my angel, and by the time I went along with it, because I knew you weren't going to do anything, but then you effing did it, and I'm so sorry I didn't save you. So this next text is kind of what got the verdict to where it was. Mm. She texts Sam Boardman, her friend, on the 15th of September of that year, 2014, and says, Sam, his death is my fault. Like, honestly, I could have stopped him. I was on the phone with him, and he got out of the car because it was working, and he got scared, and I fucking told him to get back in, Sam. So this is when they're having this conversation. He is in the car. He feels it taking effect. He panics. He gets out of the car. Mm -hmm. She tells him, get back in the car. I should have tried harder. Like I should have done more. It's all my fault because I could have stopped him and I effing didn't. All I had to do was say, I love you. Don't do this one more time. And he'd still be here. No shit. Yeah. Could have said that at any point in any of those. When he got out of the car. Yeah. You could have said, I'm coming. I'm sending help. Stay out of the car. Stay out of. He wanted to get out of the car. Obviously he did. Yeah. Get back in the fucking car. She tells him. Jeez. So she says, I can't get that phone call out of my head. Like I still call him and hope he'll pick up. No, sweetheart, he's gone. No, because you're dumbass that <laughs> said get back in the car. Like that, I mean, Jesus H, man. So she was she was a bizarre girl. She was obsessed with the show Glee, specifically the main actress. I guess her name is Leah Michelle. Don't know who she is. Never saw Glee, but her co-star in Glee ended up committing suicide. They they dated in real life, mm. and in two thousand on July thirteenth. One year before, he was found dead in a hotel room from an overdose. Mm. So this character that she idolized, this Leah Michelle girl, actually dated the actor that committed suicide. His name was Corey Monteith. And they found when they were looking through her texts that she would quote this show verbatim frequently. So it's like she was living in a show. Without trying to quote the show? No verbatim from what her favorite actress leah michelle would say so here's a couple of examples the character rachel played by leah michelle says i had it all planned out other character will says did you tell him rachel says i didn't have to he knew michelle texts a friend after conrad died i had it all planned out he knew too i didn't have to tell him yeah she was like living this fantasy and then character rachel uses the phrase he was my person Michelle says, same thing to a friend. He was my person. Mm -hmm. They also said shortly before Conrad killed himself that she had gone to see the movie The Fault in the Stars, I believe it was. Um, And it's about a story where a guy commits suicide or tries to commit suicide, but the girlfriend calls and gets help. Right. So that should have been the ending of this. Yep. 
So Judge Moniz deliberated for two days, and on June 16th, 2017, he reached a verdict. Michelle Carter was found guilty of manslaughter. Judge, Mo- Judge Moniz focused on Michelle's command to Conrad to get back in the truck. He felt that her virtual presence overwhelmed Conrad's willpower, and but for the defendant's admonishments, pressure, and instructions, the victim would not have gotten back into the truck and poisoned himself to death. Michelle, knowing that Conrad was dying, did not call the police or have his family intervene. She knew. She knew he was committing suicide, but in the meantime, was texting his sister saying, do you know where Conrad is? And then telling her friends that I'm going to go help find him. You know where he is. Yeah. Like, clearly, this is all part of your master plan. This wasn't a surprise. You planned this out. This is You could have done a lot of things to save him. And the, I, I like the virtual presence thing. That's mm-hmm. a, it's a good idea. I mean, that's exactly what it was. The kid didn't want to die. Yep, exactly. Lori Levinson, a professor at Loyola Marymount University Law School, argues that legally, we don't have a broad responsibility to save people in the United States. There's no good Samaritan law. No. How about being a human being? <laughs> right, right. It's not just because it's a law. We don't need a mean... law to be a decent human being. Well, that's when people say, like, if you don't have Jesus and the commandments, then how do you know what's right and wrong? It's like, you just know. You it's have not, a soul. It's not right to lie, and it's not right to kill people, it's and it's not, not right, right to cheat on right your wife. It's not right to tell your friend to commit suicide Correct. That's just a thing. I think we can all agree on that. So as humanity, you know, is concerned. I would agree. So the American Civil Liberties Union of Massachusetts pro- protested saying that this decision violated the free speech protections and could have a poor effect on end of life discussions. I get that. I but, you know, you want to protect other things that could it could spiral from cuz yes. then there's really scumbag politicians and lawyers that will take this little piece and then spiral it into something else and I I get that. I get that 100%, but doesn't change Michelle's a piece of shit and needs to rot. And I would believe that most people would agree with that. Yeah. So on August 3rd, 2017, sentencing of Michelle Carter was was held for her conviction of involuntary manslaughter. She ended up serving 12 months of a 15-month sentence for good behavior. They said that she was released early from Bristol County Women's Center on January 23rd, 2020 for good behavior and will serve five years probation. In 2019, Conrad's law was introduced to Massachusetts legislature. Pardon me. It makes coerced suicide by someone who knows a person's suicidal tendencies and encourages them to take their life um, a felony punishable by up to five years in prison. Talk about a law that you, the forefathers, would never think needs to be made. No, well, well, certainly texting didn't. Well, right. You know, exist back when the forefathers wrote this, but <laughs> yeah, that's not what I mean. But like the 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 fact that you have to put into law, mm-hmm. if you hear somebody's killing themselves, you talking them into it is illegal, like or not getting them help. That we have to make a law, like it's just humanity. You should get a person's help that is reaching out to you. Clearly, yep. oh my god. So when all this trial was happening in 2017, the Centers of Dise- or for Disease Control and Prevention reported that nearly five five thousand people between ages 14 and 24 would be lost to suicide, and 600,000 would be end up in the ER because of a suicide attempt. Adolescents are more prone to depression and anxiety and more susceptible to peer pressure. Because your brain is going through so much, it doesn't oh. know the right up and down. It doesn't know the right and wrong sometimes, and it's hard to get through it. 
So if you or someone you know is experiencing suicidal thoughts or ideations, please, please call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. For the U.S., it's 1-800-273-8255. And if you're listening to this right now, it's it's there. there's a reason that you're listening to this. You like somebody wants you some some higher being wants you to call this this number if you're feeling suicidal. This you're you're listening to this for a reason, and you should call this number again. Go ahead, give it again. It's one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five. Please, please get help. I think you I can promise text it too. You, I'm pretty sure you can text you it. You can. Yes, you can. Text um, it. Just send a text. It's okay. Just do it. Just send it. And you know, you might feel like you are completely alone in this world, but I promise you, there are people that need you. They love you, and that there is hope. There is a light at the end of the tunnel. I promise you, might not see it now, but it's there, Absolutely. and you'll find your way through. And there are people to help you find your way through. Please, for us, for everybody, for anybody, oh. for just um, help the world out and send a text. And this is, you know, in Conrad's honor because he couldn't be saved. Right. So. Yeah. Well, thanks for bringing that to attention. It's just like the one thing I I really enjoy about our podcast is bringing things to light and hoping that somehow, some way, somebody has helped somewhere. Like just uh, like uh, this week or last week, there was a a gun found in our son's like middle school. Like kids saw something or heard somebody talking about the gun in the backpack. Two students heard talk of the student alluding to the fact that he had a gun. So they said something that their thing at their school, see something, say something. And they did. So like that, that reminded me, if you hear a friend or somebody's friend of a friend talking about something, just make it known to somebody, please, like anybody. I can't imagine losing a anybody that I love to suicide when it could be prevented. And it's there's so much more. I mean, you, you can't even say anything because this person thinks it's the only way. And they and think the life is better off without them. But I promise it's you it's not. Incorrect. And, you know, Conrad couldn't be saved, sadly. But maybe other people could because that you're there to help support them. Um, but, you know, life is just too short. And that whole thing, like you were saying with our son, I mean, that was just... Just hearing about that made us both cry. And like, I was at work when I read the message that this kid ha- was found with a gun in his backpack of what could have happened. The automated message came through the voicemail, and I just like, and, yeah, cried yeah, we could have lost we our son yeah. that day. But thank God, two students said something, yeah. and immediately the resource officer came in and safely found the gun and got this kid. This kid was arrested. He was a middle school child arrested. Yeah, don't take guns to school. Don't idiots. take guns to school. It's serious. <laughs> Yeah. So, so, you know, help each other out. I mean, yeah, call that number. Yeah. Uh, we'll put it on if you want to click on it on the uh, show notes too. Just do it. You can still have your thoughts. Just send a text. Just just send it. Put it out there. Just to put out the world. You're listening to this for a reason. Yes, 100%. absolutely. Anyway, thank you all for being here. Yep. And until next week, we will be back. We and will. And I'll a... be uh, talking about the next one. I don't yes. know what it is. I think I have like three days to do it. So. You do because we have to do it early. Yeah. So all good right, luck to everybody. Me. All right. Cheers. Bye. Bye.